We leave here and we've known that we've studied something, but that's not going to be the case for this morning or even the next couple weeks. We'll kind of jump around for some scriptures. But this particular, particular subject is really on my heart this morning and it's praying in the Spirit. And so this should be really fun. I have a Pentecostal background. That is the church I got saved in in uh, 1994. And so we were, we were doing the chandeliers, literally. Uh, a lot of fun. And you can either come out of that experience two ways. Either you shun the Holy Spirit altogether, or you embrace the good. And I chose to embrace the good and, and enjoy that it's carried me through my life and my Christian walk thus far, and it will continue to do that. So I'm going to talk about that this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You so much, Lord, for the worship. Lord, it allows us to focus our attention back on the One who has created all things. And Father, You have created all things. And even if the world seems like it's in chaos, it's really in order. Because You you have it under control. And Lord, no matter what circumstances we have that we come into this morning's worship service together as a corporate body, Lord, the truth is that we need Your Son, Jesus Christ. The Lord, we can do nothing outside of You, Christ Jesus. And Your Word says that for a little while You were made lower than the angels. For a little while, but then You gave Your life and You presented Yourself as a offering as a sacrifice for us, purging the sins of the world because of the cross. Lord, I thank You for that. And then this morning, I also thank You for the empty grave. Because that's where the power is. That's where I know that I have life and life abundantly. And I thank You for that, Jesus. And I just ask You this morning, Lord, that You would fill us all with the Holy Spirit that we be able to hear and discern Your Word, Lord. And I pray that only truth would be spoken this morning. I pray that anything that is not of truth, Lord, would just fall on the wayside and just go away. But Lord, what You want to speak to us this morning, I pray that You would. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that we'd experience You in a whole new way. For those that have never experienced You, I pray and ask that they would be able to feel Your presence. For those that have experienced You, may You refresh them and fill them afresh today. And may You give them a hunger for You. And I ask these things in Your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, this morning as we start... I was reading a story a couple about a month ago from a magazine called um, Popular Mechanics, I think, or Popular Science. I do know the name of the magazine. But it was quite interesting as they talked about a man was going to do a big project, something that he hadn't done in many years. And you'll know, some of you will know exactly what this guy is talking about. He decided that he was going to take his phone, put it down, and travel from Louisville, Kentucky, to North Carolina. And if you know why it's so significant to lay down your phone, because there's this thing called Google Maps on it. 
How many of you guys use Google Maps? You know, there was a time that even in my lifetime that you didn't use Google Maps. You actually used a map. And he was going to take the great project and the adventure from going from Louisville to North Carolina and he wasn't real for sure how he was going to do it. Because since 2006, he's always used his phone. And so as he was going, he discovered something. He was hitting the traffic stops and he wasn't able to go as fast. He actually was having a hard time even finding a map. And then he would have to stop and he'd ask people for directions at gas stations. And he realized that people were eagerly wanting to help him get from point A to point B. And I think about this story because I'm not that old. And I remember what it was like to travel from Arkansas to Wisconsin with my wife. I remember what it was like to travel one year from the West Coast to California, from Bakersfield all the way to New York after 9-11. Not having Google Maps on a phone. I don't even know if I had a cell phone then. And then I remember being in New York City with a 16-passenger van, just like what the shelf outs have, with a big trailer on back going through Times Square, and me and my wife are looking over a map arguing. We're actually, uh, we were engaged at that time, and the Lord was just testing us in our relationship. We made it. But luckily it was right, right after 9-11, so there just wasn't much traffic in New York City at that time. And we got through. But how is it so often that our phones, we depend on our phones to get from point A to point B? And I don't go anywhere without it. And it, it, you know, and it really bothers me is when Google says, don't go this way, and I go that way and Google is right. <laughs> and I've learned to trust this thing, which is really weird. And what I think about in our Christian walk, is sometimes we forget how we got to where we are today. And I think this morning is going to be a great reminder for us. Remember a couple weeks ago I said, down, I, I talked about it would be nice for us to sit down as a family. Like they used to do it in the first church, in the early church, and just sit down and discuss the Scripture. And when problems came up, they would go to the Scriptures, they would reply, they would um, actually need the Holy Spirit to give them direction. And I think we're in a time in our society, and I spoke about this, is that we have a thousand books that are written on each subject, and sometimes it's so hard because we get so overwhelmed because there's so much information. And we just need to stop. We need to recalibrate. And we need to get our bearings back about us. And we need to go back to the Word of God. And that's what we're doing this morning when we're hitting the book of Jude. And it's not a very big book, but even these short verses that I'm going to read to you this morning have so much in store for us. So let's read together. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time they will be mockers 
following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit, or not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some having mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. And I read that to have context in what I want to talk about. But I want to key in on verse 20, and that is praying in the Holy Spirit. You may have the King James Version and it says praying in the Holy Ghost. And that's what I remember growing up as my dad was a pastor. They would talk about praying in the Holy Ghost. And now we've kind of made it different to the Holy Spirit. But it's the same Spirit. But the reason I want to talk about that this morning is because the Scripture tells us to pray in the Spirit. We find in Jude 20, Ephesians 6, verse 18, or chapter 6, verses 18, and Romans 8, verse 26. Not only does it say to pray in the Spirit, but it says be devoted to praying without ceasing. You find that in Colossians 4. Verse 2 in Romans 12 to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 22. As believers, we are to be constantly praying. We are not to give up hope in praying. And even this morning, as I often have become, I feel like double, something's going on within my mind as I'm praying while I'm speaking. And even while I'm witnessing the others, my soul and my spirit is praying. And sometimes I catch myself saying, are you doing this in the flesh or are you doing it in the Spirit? And then I'll begin to pray and just ask for God to help me, to anoint me, to fill me, that I might speak the right words at the right moment. And so I'm going to hit on three points this morning. Prayer of faith to receive an answer. Role of the Holy Spirit. And praying in the Spirit. I want to encourage you this morning that if you don't know much about the Holy Spirit, to read John chapter 14 through 16, and it will explain the Holy Spirit very well. And I think Jesus knows what he's talking about. Then, last uh, two weeks ago, and Pastor Mike did a wonderful job last week, by the way. If you weren't able to hear the sermon, please get it either on our website or a CD. But a week before that, I talked about faith. What is faith? Faith is the assurance makes us sure of things we expect. The convictions of things we cannot see. So faith is, is we know that it is coming, but it's something that we cannot see. And how do we know it's coming? Because the Word of God tells us so. You see, oftentimes it was taught in the 80s and 90s that you should have faith in faith. And that if God didn't come through on certain things, that your faith was lacking. That is not true. 
And I talked about it two weeks, is that our faith is, is, is to be in the One who gives the faith, and that is Jesus Christ Himself. And that means that when I don't see my prayers answered, it doesn't change the fact of His goodness. And it doesn't change the fact of who He is. And so, let's go to Matthew 21 together. Verses 18. Did I say chapter 21? Chapter 21, verse 18. Did I say that? Okay, see, my mind is is here. It's here. (laughs) Now in the morning when he was returning to the city, he became hungry. Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. I think at this time Jesus became hangry. You guys have heard that, right? Hangry. Your man comes home, he's hungry, and he gets angry if the food isn't on the table. That is hangry. Okay? That may be a southern thing, but that's hangry. I've tried to conquer the flesh, but I can't. I get hangry all the time. And I think that may be the moment Jesus had without sin. And he said to it, No longer shall there ever be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. And I can imagine in today's society, and I'm getting off as they would, woe is Jesus, he just ruined a tree, but poor tree. And I kind of wonder, well, Jesus, that was a little bit harsh, but I think he had a point. And he says this, seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, how did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered and said, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. How many of you have tried to cast a mountain into the sea? I have. (laughs) I'm honest. In all things you ask in prayer, believing, and you will receive. And you say, it's not contrary to what I'm saying this morning. There is a part of our prayer life that we have to pray in faith. We have to believe that when we pray that we are praying the will of God and that it will be done because we're praying according to the will of God. But if you look at the Scripture at face value, you think, I just need to believe. If I believe, if I conjure something up within my heart and within my soul, that it's got to be done. And I don't always think that's the case. And I will prove my point through Scripture. And so if you go to John 16 with me, and I do have a point this morning, and I will try to explain that. And this morning, I want to encourage you. I don't want to discourage you. I want to be of an encouragement to you this morning. As my soul has been encouraged this week, I want to encourage you. So verse 23 says, In that day you will not question Me about anything. Truly I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in My name, He will give it to you. 
Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. See, up to this point, they asked nothing in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, now is the time when you pray, you ask in my name and it will be given to you. And when it is given to you, your joy will be made full. You want to live a joyous life? See your prayers answered. You want to have a joyous life? Spend time with God in the Spirit, and I'll talk about that, and praying His will and then seeing it come to pass? That brings a lot of joy. It's like a child that asks for a toy and you give him that toy. That child is very joyful. And I think we are to be of the same mind as a child. That when we see God answer our prayers, that we should be happy. Happy, happy, happy. Happy. And he goes on, These things I have spoken to you in a figurative language. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. In that day you will ask in My name, and I do not say that you will request of the Father, that I will request of the Father on your behalf. For the Father Himself loves you because you have loved Me and believed that I came forth from the Father. And this is really, it just amazes me because Jesus is telling the disciples, now you have audience with the Father through Me. And I don't have to pray on your behalf. You pray in My name. And the Father will get joy and you will experience the love of God. You see, if we ask anything according to the will of God, we know that He hears us. And that's from 1 John. And we've taught about the book of 1 John already, but that is where we put Scripture to Scripture and put it together. And Well, what does Jesus mean? If you ask anything in My name, I will do it. And John explains it later on and says, if you ask according to the will of God, it will be done. And so then we ask the question, well, how do I know what the will of God is? How do I know when I'm praying for somebody that He wants to bring a healing to their body? How do I know that He wants to bring salvation to their lives or bring more of the kingdom? There are some times that we pray for others and we ask for things and we don't always know the outcome. But we look to the One who controls the outcome. There are times when I'm praying for something when I know in my spirit that this is not going to end well. But I still pray the blessing of God in this situation. I don't stop praying. I still ask God to touch. And then there are those other times that God says, this is what I want to do. Pray this into existence. And I will pray, but how do I know what the will of God is? And I want to share point number two with you. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus promised us that when He goes, He will ask the Father to send you a helper and He would be with us forever. Do you get the weight of that Scripture? 
that the Holy Spirit was going to come to us, would never depart from us, would stay with us, and that He would lead us into all truth. And I don't have any Scripture references in this area this morning, but I will talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit lives and resides in every believer. It says in Scripture that when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, that you are sealed. It is your pledge until eternity comes. It is a pledge that is on your life. And it also says in Scriptures that God lavishes His love on us. And He calls us sons and daughters. And we only know we are sons and daughters by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it says that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. And the truth will set you free. The Holy Spirit is to bring glory to God. The Holy Spirit is always pointing right back to Jesus. And sadly to say when the Holy Spirit has been moving, if it's a counterfeit or not, is sometimes we look to man or women and we say that man, they are gifted, when really it is the Holy Spirit that is gifting them to do the work of God, to spread the kingdom. And how often we look to man. But the Holy Spirit is a promise for every believer. Is there a way to grieve the Holy Spirit? Yes. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? It's by continuing saying no when He is speaking to us. And that your body, this is only for believers, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you sin and you know you're sinning, The Holy Spirit comes, He convicts, and He desires for us by His kindness to turn us back to the Father. But so often we just kind of shun that voice and then we we grieve the Holy Spirit. And I believe by us grieving the Holy Spirit, we hear Him less and less. And we don't walk in the same power that was promised to every believer. You see, John says this, and this is a powerful statement that John the Baptist said. I come to baptize you with water, but there is one who is coming who will baptize you with fire. And it's the promise of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. And I want to talk a moment just about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because we're trying to figure out how we know the will of God in prayer. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this quote, and I hope you can see it up there. I hope it's big enough. It says, The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the initial experience of glory and the reality and the love of the Father and of the Son. Yes, you may have many further experiences of that, but the first experience, I would suggest, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to lay out something for you just real quick. And if this is challenging to you this morning, praise God. Because if it is challenging you, then you have to deal with it. But there is a thing that I said already that when you come to salvation, 
you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It is a pledge. But there is something else that comes along, and that is what I'm calling the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. Is that when you experience God's glory like you have never experienced God's glory before. And I talk to people all the time, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this. And I don't do it out of the works of salvation, but I do it in the order to disciple somebody and that they can grow. You know, praying, reading your Bible, witnessing, all these things. But without the power, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, these things become futile and they become rot and you have no power in them. And we see this in Scripture. In Acts, when they would go and and they would ask, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they say, no, we've heard of Jesus, we've heard of John the Baptist, but we haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. And they pray and the Holy Spirit falls. There's a time where uh, Peter is going to the house of Cornelius, which was not a Jew, and the Holy Spirit fell in power. And why do I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's because it's the power of God to do His will. And I want to challenge you this morning, if you are here this morning, and your life and your prayer life is powerless, and you haven't experienced this glory, I want to challenge you to go home and seek this glory. And ask God for it, not because of what the pastor is saying this morning, but because His Word is true. And I remember a time when I believe I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is an experience. Although I grew, or I grew up in a Pentecostal church, I was saved in a Pentecostal church, I, I was saved dramatically from drugs and alcohol. I was messed up. I was dramatically saved. But I remember oftentimes going and praying, and I've always loved prayer. It's always been a part of my life. And I remember one night we'd watched a movie with a youth group, and if I was 295 pounds, three earrings, a tattoo, I was just a big, kind of ugly, and I know I'm good looking now, but I was really just somebody you didn't mess with. I wasn't. And I sat on the pew alone for a long time. But I was caught and mesmerized by the love of Jesus. I couldn't help but be in church. I couldn't help it. But there was a time that I, and I roomed with my twin brother, and there was a time I was praying late at night, and I felt a presence. And I'm just sharing my experience with you as a testimony. Not everybody will experience this. It's different for each one of us. But as I was sitting there, I became very fearful. I'm like, I was like, uh, this is not comfortable. You ever been in that moment? Maybe not, but this was not comfortable. I began to kind of like just, this is scary. And I actually had this experience the other day in the sanctuary. But it was like I got fearful and I said, Justin, he's my twin brother. I said, Justin, you've got to come in here. Something is going on. And this is probably two or three in the morning and he comes in and this just the Shekinah glory falls. And 
I can't explain it. He can't explain it. And I begin to cry. And I, it, it wasn't a moment of, I didn't all of a sudden speak in tongues. That become much later for me. But I just felt God's glory. The, the tears become, began to fall. And then that experience passed. And I saw a great change in my life. And I can always go back to that point and say, did I imagine that moment of God's glory coming? And I'll ask my twin brother, do you remember that moment? And he says, yes, I do. There were two witnesses. So I can always go back. And my life was changed. And I would like to say that that, for me, was my Pentecost experience. And you see, we have a bunch of churches today And if we're not careful, we're no different that we preach about the Holy Spirit. We believe it's true. We believe in the Word of God as the exact counsel of God's Word. But we are not experiencing the fullness of the Spirit. And as St. John Fletcher says this, every Christian should have his or her Pentecost. And I want to challenge you this morning. Have you had your Pentecost? Have you had the fullness and the glory of God come on your life and change your life forever? Because I am not convinced that the Gospel does not have the power to transform each and every life. If I stopped being convinced of that truth, I would walk down from the stage and I would walk away. But I know it to be true that the Gospel has the power to change a life. I've experienced it. And many of you have too. So how do we know the will of God is point number three. Praying in the Spirit. This is how we know how to pray God's will. See, if you go to Romans 8 with me. And again, this is our, new, this is our old but new map that we're trying to turn to and look at and, and let it be our guide and let it, let it dictate where we are going. Verses 26-27 through 27 in chapter 8. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You see, the Holy Spirit helps us. He is here to help us in our weaknesses. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty glad that God helps me in my weaknesses. Because there are plenty of them. Have you ever had that time when you're praying in the Spirit and something comes on you that you can't do nothing but groan for an individual or for situations? It doesn't happen to me a lot, but, but there are times where I just can't help, but it's a deep hurt within the chest and I can't help but just cry out and groan before the Lord. And I believe that's the power of the Holy Spirit come in that prayer time. 
And we need it now more than ever. Jude talks about the last days and that there's a time is coming. We need to go to our prayer closets again. We need to have corporate prayer, praying together again, and believing that the Holy Spirit shows up. And when we see that happen, mighty things will happen in our communities, in our jobs, and in the nations. So let's go to one more Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And the reason why this one is so important to me is because I only I used to read it halfway through. And then God said, you need to read a little more. So it starts out like this. Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man. All that God has prepared for those who love Him. When I look at this Scripture, I have great hope. But then there's great wonderment. Like, well, what is that, Lord? What are the things that I haven't seen? What are the things that I haven't heard which hasn't even entered my heart? How do I know the things that You have prepared for me? And then He says, you need to read on. For to us, for to us, God has revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. And I've referenced this before, is if you're like me, I'm glad people don't know what's going on inside of me. And I'm sure if we could open your life and the canvas is what's going on, you would not like that. And I want you to know it's the same with the depths of God, that only the Spirit knows what's going on with the Father, but He's revealing it to us. And then I also want you to know that if you hear something I say or something somebody says and that it pinpoints an area in your life, just count it as the Holy Spirit. Just count it as the Holy Spirit and that they don't know everything about you. But maybe God wants to reveal something to you. And then it goes on, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. How do we know how to pray in the Holy Spirit? It says it right here. And a practical example for you is how do you know if you're praying in the flesh versus the Spirit? Flesh, if your mind is set on the flesh, it will not subject itself to God's law. It wants to do its own thing. It wants to pray its own prayer. Even if it wanted to pray the will of God, it can't because you're moving in the flesh. Those who are of the flesh cannot please God. 
But to pray in the Spirit is to set your mind on the Spirit. In the Spirit you have life and peace. So if you want to know what it is to pray in the Spirit, check peace and check life. If the Spirit dwells in you, you belong to Him. You see, to pray in the flesh is failure. To pray in the Spirit is success. Success is to hit the mark. Achieve the purpose of your prayer. This is why we must pray in the Spirit. I believe there are things God will do because He has an intended purpose to do this. I think He's just setting out to do something. Nothing can stop it. I also believe that there are things that God will not do unless we pray. The Holy Spirit and the human spirit teaming together to see the will of God done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are to pray in the Spirit at all times. Praying the will of God is praying according to His Word. Oftentimes, when I am reading the Bible, it will lead me into a Spirit-led prayer. Where something in the Word of God sticks out for me and it burdens me and then I begin to pray. Then I know for sure that this prayer will come to pass. Maybe not in the time that I would like to see it, but I know that it is going to come to pass because it's something that is in the will of God and I'm praying in the Spirit. If the worship team could come forward this morning... And again, I want to share with you my own experiences. Is there's often times that I've been heavy and I haven't had an answer. I don't know what to do. I'm either depressed, and some of you know what I'm talking about, or I'm confused, or I need God to move. And so I go into my prayer closet and I begin to pray. A lot of times I am praying in the flesh. I start out in the flesh. But I hit that sweet moment when the Holy Spirit takes control. And I begin to pray in the Spirit. I begin to pray things and they become reality and then I find life and peace in my prayer. And I want to challenge you this morning. There's, there's not going to be a response time. We're doing communion for response time. I want to challenge you to experience the Pentecost. If it's been a while, if you, well first, if you've never experienced, first of all, I, I would ask that you give your heart to Jesus. And then I would ask that you would go and seek Him desperately for an experience of the Holy Spirit. And if you have experienced the Holy Spirit and it's been, for a while, been a while, the Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit are two different things. I've been baptized in the Spirit, but to get up here and preach and to do what I need to do, I need to be filled with the Spirit. And I will say this, you are no different. We need to be filled with the Spirit.